what the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. Welcome to Buckets. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Joined by my colleague, NBA Futures Analyst, Brandon Anderson. To talk a little bit about uh, just things I've heard around the league. This is going to be more of a podcast that gets you primed for betting NBA futures through free agency. What to expect. Those types of things. We'll touch on some of those ideas as well as a little bit of draft stuff uh, in this episode, which will not be as long as we usually are uh, if I can do anything to slow Brandon and I down. Cause we both talk a lot. Well, you know that you should rate and review the podcast because we'll be calling out our five-star favorite reviews right here on the show. Every reviewer we call out will receive a free action pro account for one year that gets you all the stuff. I talk about with the action network app, all the money insights, all the signals on where the bets are coming in. You get all sorts of prop data, all sorts of cool stuff across all sports with the action pro account, a full year of that just for leaving a five-star review, potentially, if your review is chosen. So be sure to leave those awesome Apple podcast reviews and keep listening to hear a shout you out. Let's talk a little bit about off-season stuff because it's never too early to talk NBA off-season because basically um, it used to be that the league would kind of request that, that teams keep it under wraps until after the finals. That was my experience for like until 2015-ish. Was It was like, look, guys, we want to focus. Like, this is the championship. Let's keep everything on the down low. And then just more and more agents and teams just started being like, mm, no, we want to start prepping now. And so there's already conversations like free agency discussions are happening now. Teams are guys are still under contract and it's happening now. Now, most of that information is, is they're not going to let out like, oh, so-and-so is signing. You have to wait till July for that. But we are kind of getting there. Um, let's start with the Utah Jazz. So, um, Brandon, I will just go ahead and say it. Brandon is, uh, only needs 10 more wins. For the Jazz to cash his, his Western Conference Finals ticket that Raheem and I begged him not to bet um, would have been an all-time victory lap from you. So I honestly, I just thank God that it didn't hit because it would have been miserable for me. I would have been miserable for days off of you winning that bet. Uh, so the Jazz have kind of imploded after their their exit in the playoffs in the first round of the Dallas Mavericks. Quinn Snyder steps down. Not surprising. There was a, like a lot of speculation that, that Quinn was going to be gone. Uh, you get to usually like these things are usually forecasted with longtime coaches. And I can tell you, I have a, an article up on action network. You can find it. that breaks down what I've heard. I'll have another one in the next couple of days. It's going to be more draft centric. Um, there is speculation that basically pop is likely to either finish to be done this year or to walk away next year. There's, there's some conflicting stuff in there about, is he going to want, like, I think a lot of it, honestly, the reason he might walk away now is he doesn't want to deal with the, he doesn't, he doesn't want to do the whole every arena giving him a standing ovation. Like, that's not what Popovich wants, which I love about him. Um, but there is a lot of idea that when Pop steps down, Quinn Snyder would take over. Quinn worked there. I actually covered Quinn with the Austin Toros uh, when he was coach of the G League team. So Quinn has a lot of familiarity with that system. He coached under Mike Budenholzer in Atlanta. Um, he, has a, he has longtime connections to the Spurs organization. Like He is, he is Spurs family. And so that would not be a surprising selection for him to take over with Becky Hammond having moved on to the aces. Um, meanwhile, I will tell you like there's a lot of conversation about is, you know, Donovan Mitchell and the Knicks or Donovan Mitchell and the heat as of right now, they're going to rebuild around Donovan Mitchell ownership loves Mitchell and is all in on, on Mitchell, right? The new owner Ryan Smith is, is all in on Donovan Mitchell as a consequence of that. 
surprising here, Brandon. Actually, thing I've heard that essentially Danny Ainge is, is running things now. And I've heard that Ainge is what's the word I want to use here? Ready to move on from Rudy Gobert to the point where if we had if we had bets out on what team will Rudy Gobert play on next year and the Jazz were a favorite, I would tell you the line is wrong. That is where I'm at with the Utah Jazz. When the season ended, when when my Western Conference ticket went awry, it felt like the trio of Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Quinn Snyder. There's no way all three of those guys are coming back. One of them has to go, maybe two go. I don't think that we ever really thought all three go. That's just, it's, you, you don't blow up your team that much, usually all at the same time. So it wasn't surprising to me that Snyder went, and it does feel like Gobert is the next one to go. And, you know, I a lot of us internet capologist people, which I will put myself in the us on that, we get too wrapped up in like, okay, the contract. Oh my gosh, the contract is so bad. Rudy Gobert is a negative asset. No, no, no. Rudy Gobert is an all-time great defensive player in the regular season. Yeah, yeah, we know. But he's he's going to be a Hall of Fame player probably because of all the defensive player of the year awards that he's won and maybe still will add to. Yeah, the contract is not great. It's going to get pretty bad in all likelihood in a few years. But he's a great player. A lot of teams want a great, great defender. Like, do you agree with me that in the regular season, nobody in the NBA is more a defense unto themselves than Rudy Gobert? I do not agree with you. Who, so, who would you put above him? Um, the reason I would say that is you have to build the scheme around him. Oh, I, I agree. Would, I would rather have other guys with him than just him. But I think if you just have Rudy and even like semi-competent defenders, you're going to have a top five regular season defense. I would argue that the Jazz were not so bad as to be that far apart that they were because of given where they were this season. Now they were earlier, right? But like this sure. is, I think one of the issues is that teams have largely just figured out. Like me personally, I think one of the issues is teams were more willing to try playoff tactics this year versus the Jazz than ever because they're basically just like, okay, look, let's go ahead and throw it at them. Like the Spurs are like, we're probably not going to face the Jazz in the playoff series. Let's go ahead and throw throw a switch at them in the second half. And they collapse and, and the Jazz lose. <laughs> and the Wizards are like, we're definitely not going to play them in the playoffs. We're not going to make the playoffs, probably. Uh, <laughs> let's switch to the second half. And the Jazz collapse and lose. And so, like, all the... Now, this doesn't mean that the Rudy Gobert is not valuable. It's just, like, you better be... You better be absolutely 100% convinced that you have the stuff to go for it. And to that degree, I will give you three teams that I know that are interested in Rudy Gobert. Okay. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks are the number one. They've been mentioned for a while. Jake Fisher of uh, Bleach Report and Kevin O'Connor reported on that one. The Toronto Raptors are one that I will add to the conversation. I don't know if KOC reported on that or not, but I had heard that a week, a couple weeks ago. Um, the, I, my understanding is that Toronto's looking for a five still. They tried to get one at the deadline. They couldn't get one. That's why they got Thaddeus Young. So now they're trying to get five. What's interesting is the, I saw some conversation on, on Twitter this morning about like, we're really giving up OG, a very versatile defender for potentially like a five that can't. Yeah. That's where I, I think a lot of this is Embiid. That's my opinion. Like it's Embiid and Giannis. Hmm. I think there is an idea that if you want to get through the Eastern playoffs, you better have muscle. Time Lord played a big role in Boston's success. The timeline was hurt. Right. And so like that, that plays a factor here, but in general, I think, that like Time Lord's contributions throughout the Buck series, Time Lord's contributions throughout the playoffs, as well as Embiid makes teams in the East in particular think that they got to get big. And so 
my understanding is, and people's understanding around the league that I've talked to is a Toronto wants a five. Um, I think there's a possibility. I think OG and is probably going to get moved, whether it's for a draft pick or in a deal like for Gobert. Um, I think that's on the table. That's my opinion is like, that's a not, I'm not reporting that it's on the table. It's like, I'm reading tea leaves and telling you it's on the table that I think OG in some sort of deal could be moved to Utah for Rudy Gobert. And the final one is your Chicago bulls. So let me ask you this. Uh, you were so down on the Vucevic move. You've hated how this team has been constructed specifically because you're like, but they're not going to win any playoff games. Well, you've been defending Rudy Gobert. So how about they get the one guy that you can't win in the playoffs with at center with a Vucevic deal for Gobert make you feel better or worse about your bulls? I think it's a move that makes a ton of sense for the bulls, to be honest, because I think if you are being truly honest with yourself as Chicago with your core built around DeMar DeRozan and, and Vucevic, and you know what their limitations have been their entire career in the playoffs, then you have to be honest with yourself about what the ceiling is. Like that is not a championship core. You're, you're not winning a championship when Zach and DeMar and Vooch are your guys. That's okay. The NBA is not championship or bust. As fans, we like it to be. We either want to win a championship or blow it up, and I am guilty of that a lot. That's not what this Bulls team in, but they're in now. They're going to they're gonna pay Zach a lot this summer, and they should. They're going to keep him around. He's gotten a lot better. He gets better every single year. They got DeMar for another couple of years. The thing that they don't have is defense. They're, they're going to have enough offense. Zach and DeMar can play offense. Lonzo makes the, the offense better as a connector. Rudy Gobert as the anchor of a defense with, if they stay healthy, Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball on the perimeter. That's the thing Utah really lacked this year. They did not have perimeter defense. So we've talked about that a lot. You can't blame Rudy for all the defensive struggles. Yeah, you can blame him for some, for sure. There are limitations he has. But when, when there's no perimeter defense around and it's just like, come on, come at me. Let's just have Rudy Gobert guard at the rim and also 24 feet away from the open shooter that he was supposed to magically cover both of them. Like, no, that's, that's not Rudy's fault. Guess what? Zach and DeMar are going to leave some of those shooters open too, if that's where we end up. But Lonzo and Caruso, I think you get those two healthy for a year with Rudy Gobert. I think this is a defense in Chicago that can be top five, top seven, top three, depending on where things turn out in the regular season. I think that's the team you have to build if you're Chicago. Now, I'll be fair, because I've said this publicly elsewhere. I think you get Rudy in. I think you got 56 wins. You got a one seed in the East, and you got a hardy 4-1 exit in the second round. It's not going to go deep into the playoffs. But I don't think this Chicago team is built to go deep into the playoffs. They didn't do anything in the playoffs this year. So why not win a whole bunch of regular season games and give yourself a better shot to go some deep than where they're at right now? It's fair. I don't think that you can seriously be like, we're a championship contender. If you have DeMar DeRozan and Rudy Gobert, not because of the caliber of players, but that combination of guys is like two, like those are two guys you have to build around and not being able like, I just don't, I don't see that. The other thing I would say is like giving a Patrick Williams, I think is a lot for Rudy. I like Patrick Williams a lot. I think that, I think we're not able to see what Patrick Williams is going to be in three to four years. Um, if guys aren't immediately awesome, we just kind of like, but the thing is like Williams hasn't been bad. Like that's my big deterrent. It's like, if you're bad outright, then I'm like, okay, maybe later. But for right now, you're a non-factor. But like Williams has been like pretty good. Right. So it's like, if he, if he improves, 
there's a, a big capacity for him to help and giving him up in the deal, I think is a lot to ask for. So yeah. um, I would be very hesitant to go that route. This is one of the issues is like, if you're the bulls, the jazz are going to be like, Rudy Gobert is a franchise player. He's a multiple time defensive player of the year, a multiple time all-star. And if you're the bulls, you're like, it's going to cost us like $40 million to have a guy that who's entering on the, his thirties, <laughs> entering his thirties on a long-term deal who has specific liabilities. Yeah. This is the problem. So I think that there could be issues with that. So anyway, those are the three teams that have been attached um, to go bear. Needless to say, I will not be betting the over on jazz uh, or any sort of, I will not be taking a jazz Western conference finals ticket. This is not a buy low spot. (laughs) This is a no buy spot when the futures come out. But if that, if the bulls trade happens or really, I think wherever go bear gets traded to, if that's where we end up, I think that is a regular season team over. I would smash a Chicago Bulls team over with Gobert in for that roster because the the overs that I love to bet the most are teams that I know are going to have really good, tough defenses because defense travels and shows yeah. up in the regular season and wins a lot of games. My counter would be, I guess, what happens with Zach Levine. Yeah, uh, well, sure. I mean, I'm I assuming think- that Zach stays there. So far, all the talk seems to be like there's not even a lot of talk of like, well, he he wants to look around and see what's out there. It just kind of seems like everyone expects him to stay. But I also not reporting, just what I've heard so far from the people who are reporting or speculating. <laughs> I would, I would, I would push back okay. a little bit. So right. I would say, I would say that um, not that I'd be surprised. I would just say that the forces that play with Zach Levine, I think, are long building. And there, I don't think that front off that the front office is invested enough in Zach Levine to make him feel like that's where he wants to be. If that makes yeah, sense, yeah, that's fair. I think well, that the I think the Bulls are like, we love you. You're great. You've been really good. You're. We think you could be like the third best player on a championship team. And Zach Levine would be like, I'm sorry, what? So I'm sorry, what was that word in there? Third, you said yeah, third. Third, What's third, that? third. So yeah. that I think is part I, of the conversation. For, for me, with team building, I, I used to be more of like, okay either build a championship or burn it down and do the next thing. And I've learned now like that. You just can't operate that way. There are not enough teams that can all do that, but I am still really big on timeline. And to me, that's why the Gobert move does make sense for Chicago, even at the cost of Pat Williams, because, and look, we're seeing it with the Warriors in the, in the finals right now, the Warriors are the team we've talked all about. Like they're dancing between timelines. They got the old core. They got the young guys, the Moody's and the, and the Kamingas and Wiseman. And they're trying to kind of straggle that middle road. Part of why I like Wiggins and the prop we talked to was because he's like the one guy in the middle that is not old, not young. He's like the Goldilocks of the team. It's really hard to do that, though. And so Pat Williams maybe will be great. But right now you paid a lot of money in draft picks and everything for Vooch and for Damar and soon for Zach. If he does stay, he's going to make a lot of money if he stays then I think you just have to, you've made your bed. you got to go in with that team now. So that's Toronto doesn't make as much sense to me from that perspective because they have so many young, different type of pieces. That's why I think Chicago of the three makes a little more sense to me. DeAndre Aiden, the Suns are projecting that they're probably put out there that basically they're like, they're willing to match up to a four-year offer for Aiden to keep him. So this is where like the complex political machinations of restricted free agency come into play. Uh, I will make this, Diatribe very short. Free, restricted free agency is dumb and it is absolutely ridiculous. The NBA Players Union does not make this as a priority. It limits their ability for guys to get further raises later in their deal. It limits the spending ability of guys that are young in their career, which is important for their stability. If you're not desperate to try and get your free agency value up, then you're likely 
to play better. You need to be comfortable and not desperate to try and improve your status. Uh, it continues to really annoy me that restricted free agency isn't treated as more of a problem. There's all these ideas about player agency and all these type of things, but they're all built around superstars and what they get to do. Those guys are going to be fine. I care way more about guys that are restricted free agents on that wind up getting two year deals or three year deals for less money that severely impacts their ability to get yeah. better money later and rant. Um, as always, I'm not team superstar. Um, so with the Suns, a lot of this is just posturing, right? Like it's very clear that he and Monty Williams are not on the same page. If they cared enough about Aiden, they would have extended him in the during the season, yeah. right? And there's a lot of tension about that. And ultimately, you have like an unhappy guy there. Like he knows that they don't value him that much. They know that he's never going to get those kind of opportunities. Like he knows he's never going to get the kind of opportunities that he thinks he deserves as a former number one pick. So. I still think that he's likely going to be gone, but it's smart of, of the Suns to be like, hey, we'll match it. Don't be thinking that you can get because what they want is they want a team to be like, hey, let's do a, a sign and trade. We'll give you assets and we'll pay DeAndre what he wants. You get to get DeAndre. You get assets back for DeAndre. He gets his money. We get the guy. Everybody wins versus a team being like, well, what if we just don't? We just put the offer in and make it painful for them and make the match. Yeah. A team might try him. I think that that's possible, but. I think it's also, if you're asking like, well, would they really match it if they don't want him? Yes. Because you don't want to lose the asset for nothing. Right. So the more likely scenario is like they is let's say I'm trying to think Portland is a good candidate here. Let's say Portland clears cap space and puts a big offer at Aiden, a full four year, big money offer for Deandre Aiden, the Suns match it. And then they trade him next year is a, entirely a yeah. way to go about it. And, you know, maybe that relationship changes, maybe Aiden getting the money, that's enough to make him at least happy enough to, to soothe some of the tension. But the way that the playoffs ended, I still have a hard time believing that Aiden's going to be back in a son's uniform next season. Yeah. And I would add to, you said what they want is the sign and trade. They want teams to understand that they're not going to let them off the hook for nothing. I think I take it a step further. I think what they really want is just to scare teams away from even offering the sheet and tying up their cap room. That's the other problem with restricted free agency is you make the offer and what is it still like five days or seven days that you can't use that cap now for all the other stuff. And in the meantime, everybody's gone. Free agency is over. All the key names have signed. Congratulations. You get like Tory Craig now as your free agent because you had all your money tied up on this offer sheet to Aiton. Phoenix decided to match. Of course they did. They're not going to let him walk away for nothing. And now you got nothing. The team that offered him Portland or Detroit or whatever, you got nothing. You had all your cap space and everyone got signed and, and time is up now. So I, I almost think Phoenix part of the posturing is don't make an offer. We're just going to yeah. match it. We're going to wait. All, yeah. We're going to wait till one second before the deadline. Don't bother. We're, you're going to, we're going to blow up your entire off season. Yeah. So I, I think that's part of it. I don't know that I feel as strongly as you that he's not going to be in a son's uniform next year. I would say, I don't think he'll be in a son's uniform a year from now. Like we just talked about the jazz. This team has strong Utah jazz vibes to me one year later as the team that was the one seed, they, they, they broke the regular season. They figured out all the answers and then they kind of just ran it back. Utah, like well, their big move last year was we got Rudy Gay. We figured it out. Rudy Gay. He's going to be all the answers. That didn't really solve things. And then we got the same playoff exit that everyone knew was coming except for me. And here we are. And it sort of feels like with Phoenix, Look, they're not just going to be like, oh, you gave eight in the max. Well, we don't want to do that. So, OK, bye. Like, that's not how the cap works. You don't have any cap room to sign anybody else. You have to have him. This is a team that wants to win a championship. 
So you have to at least keep him and trade him later. You know teams are going to trade for whatever contract he's on. He's a very good center. He's a clear top five center going forward. So the whole thing, I mean, like I think the max is something like five years, 172 million if he gets the whole boat. I don't want to give him that much. I would rather give him five for a hundred million, 125 million. I feel comfortable with that. You don't get to choose that. DeAndre Aiden wants to get paid. Some team is going to pay him because other teams have room and want to pay him. So he gets paid. Like <laughs> contracts aren't just yes or no. Like there are more people involved here. So I, I think if I had to guess the most likely scenario, I think a sign and trade is the most likely to a Detroit, to a Portland, somebody because at least then Phoenix gets back Jeremy Grant and they maybe you know, change things up that way or, or something, something where they get him, get something out of it. But I, I won't be surprised if it's just opening day and it's like, all right, well, here, here are the Suns again. I guess we took their team over, but I don't know if I feel great about their futures. One more notes before we get out of here. The funniest thing I've heard continues to crack me up every time I hear it is teams have called them in like the Hawks have been like, hey, so what about DeAndre Hunter? And the Hawks have responded with Herter, you said? You want to know? <laughs> Let me talk to you about Kevin Herter and what you can get for Kevin. We are very interested. I said, Hunter? Kevin Herter? Great shooter. Quality guy in the locker room. Uh, Bogdanovich and Kevin Herter are the guys that they are, have tried to steer conversations towards. Mm-hmm. I, I think that they're in a tough spot with Hunter because Hunter is like the guy that everybody wants to get the best return on him. But I think that they also know that. Um, I kind of lean in those situations to think that he's not going to get moved. but. If you if the Hawks are willing to let him go, because the Hawks are open for business, like they know they got to change stuff. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to run it back with John Collins again, which I I can't believe. I can't believe that they're going to do this again. Like Collins is unhappy. He's got the, you can get a smorgasbord for John Collins. Like every GM I talked to is like, yeah, I'd love to have John Collins, but how do you get him? If they would just open up and and make that kind of a deal, it, I, I just kind of wind up being like, okay, is John Collins next to Trey Young very good? Yes, it's very good could you be even better and solve your problem of John Collins constantly being like, why do I have to play with this guy? I would do it. That's, that's what I would do. Now on to sleeper sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game changing product. Unlike anything else in the industry. And now you could win on sleeper by playing their new over under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, just choose two or more players that you like and pick the over or under. For example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball or rebounds or stocks, whatever it is that you're into. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about the over-under on Sleeper is that's the only app where I can join my buddies' contest and play together. I have some real squares in my life that I'm looking forward to taking some money off of. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friends' picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. On your mobile phone, join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com slash buckets. And Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash buckets and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Draft pick stuff. So it's annoying to me that I can't find Jaden Ivy props. This is very annoying to me, Brandon. You want those unders. I really want his under badly and nobody will put it up um, because there's kind of the idea that it's Jabari and Chet 
and Holmgren. Look, I'll say this. Uh, I will say this on the number one pick. Okay, you said that you think Chet Holmgren is the best value after the the lottery, and that you would take him first. You think he's the best player on the board? I bet Jabari at ten to one at win back in February, and I bet some Chet. Chet's like it's going the other direction, and I don't really understand why. Um, yeah, but that doesn't mean that I think that I'm not coming on this podcast and being like, bet Chet Holmgren number one, no brainer, it's a lock. It's just that I don't find the percentage chances to be in line. Like if you tell me if you if you're just like I need you to find a value in the top three, the best value is Chet Holmgren to go number one. It just is because yeah. it, it's like plus one sixty five at some spots. Like Holmgren's like oh no no it's it's much longer than that now it's oh, up wow. to like plus three hundred at some books now three hundred three fifty I've seen this week. So to me, there's probably value there. But just understand that yeah. like there is a reason it's going the other direction. I don't believe that much of this intel is coming directly from the Orlando Magic. I think it's being produced by people in the draft process and people close to Jabari, which is fine. Like if you ask me, like I think Jabari should go number one. I think Jabari's the better player. Like we're on opposite sides of this. Hmm. I'm not a chat guy. It's fine. I'm not right about these things very often. Like I try and stick to the Intel side and not the scouting side. Cause I find the scouting side insane. I cannot predict what 18 year olds are going to do. Um, but I will just say that like, if you're like, Oh, I really want to have a number. I want to have a bet on number one. I would tell you Chet Holmgren. I can't tell you that. I'm like, I have Intel that says it's going to be Chet Holmgren. I just do not have enough information to say that. Oh yeah, it's definitely going to be Jabari. What I will say is the trade talks are higher and more intense now than in previous years that I've, I'm used to. Um, there's usually one team that you're like, yeah, they're probably going to move, but it's like Portland's trying to move the seven. The Kings, are, the Kings are tr- whoever it is that winds, and we'll know this. There'll be one guy that pops next week, and one guy that pops in the final two days before the draft. Yeah, it was giddy last year. It was a guy that everybody was like, whoosh, right? The Grizzlies moved up to try and get Josh Giddy, and he went way higher. Um, I have not talked to anybody inside OKC on this. So this is not coming from OKC. I will just tell you that people around the league are kind of keeping an eye and being like, it is not insane to think that OKC would do something with the pick. So let me respond to a couple of things. First of all, Jaden Ivey points bet right now has an over under four and a half on Jaden Ivey. You're going to pay for it though. The under four and a half is a minus 400. Ah! So it's there. I think what you're looking for, I think the bet you, Matt Moore want is an over under three and a half because I think you think Ivy can sneak into that presumed top three tier and that's the value you're looking to grab. Yeah. So I think you gotta watch for that line still, but I did see that one. Let me float this. You know, I love my long shot bet. So let me, let me frame this way. So I still like chat number one. I agree. I think that there's value there from a betting standpoint of why is the line moving toward Jabari? To me, it's an easy answer. It's a group thing all the mock drafts slowly kind of become the same at this point of the year because the same agents and the same people are giving out the same information and everyone wants to like the top mock drafts, the mock drafts I read and, and produce are not those things. They're like, well, here's who I think this team would fit. Well, like that's not it. The, the top mock draft, the one you read on ESPN on Bleacher Report on Yahoo, those are predicting what they think is going to happen because of what the agents are telling them. And they're all predicting the same thing because they're all getting the same intel right now. So to me, that's why the line is moving so strong 
in the NFL draft this year, we saw that Aiden Hutchinson was all the number one pick a few weeks before the draft. And suddenly, like literally overnight, it flipped to Trayvon Walker. And the number went from like plus 500 to minus 500 within like a day on him. So I think with Chet, if you think that there's some value there, you can't wait because if it moves, it's going to move real fast and it'll be gone. So here's, here's the long shot. If Chet does go number one, we agree, I think, you've told me a lot about this, that Oklahoma City is unpredictable and does not let their intel out, right? We don't know what OKC is going to do. We also know that OKC doesn't do the normal thing. They don't just do the thing everyone expects them to do necessarily. It seems like right now everyone expects Chet and Jabari, Jabari and Chet, that's the top two picks. What if Oklahoma City stays at number two because they really want Chet Holmgren? Plausible enough. Chet goes number one. It's draft night. They don't get the trade offer that they're wanting. Jabari Smith as the number three pick is 25 to one at books right now. What if Chet goes one and OKC is like, no, we wanted Chet. We're going to, we're going to take our guy. Then we're going to take Ivy. We're going to take Shane Sharp. We're going to take whoever our guy is. And Jabari goes to three where I think Houston runs to the podium and grabs him 25 to one as a percentage play, a value play. What do you think? I could be wrong. I will tell you that based off of the conversations that I've had, I would strongly advise against that bet. Okay. Uh, I think if Jabari, I think if Jabari is there, OKC does not move it. OKC does not do anything but run quickly to get Jabari. Okay. I think that they are a Jabari team. I think they are a Jabari team. The magic, I don't know. There might be. I think so, that if, I think if Jabari goes number one, now I so think you think maybe a Chet to number three pick, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Maybe you would look at that version of that. Of that I would role. look at. Okay. Now the, again, the consensus with like most people is like it's Jabari and Chet. I want to be clear on that. Like it's Jabari yeah. and Chet or Chet and Jabari. Blah 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 blah. That's fine. Um, OKC is interesting in that they are a different type of thinking organization and they are also extremely secretive. Yeah. So like the Rockets are going to take Palabon Caro. <laughs> like I have zero reason to think that the Rockets are going to throw a curveball. At this point, I don't know unless somebody reached for Palo in the top two, unless it was either OKC comes out on Palo and decides that they want Bancaro or a team trades into the two spot and they take Bancaro. I don't see any scenario in which Palo Bancaro doesn't go three, but you can play the overs on chat and maybe that's the way yeah. to go about it. But again, right now we're talking about long shots. I will just say that the market is treating these things as gospel. And those are not no. the conversations that I have had. No. Well, that's that just two weeks out from the draft. There is not gospel. There, there, there yeah. are no gospel takes on the draft right now. Uh, we just started in the last couple of days. We started to get more than just top five picks. We're getting over-unders on some of the other names. We got odds on, can they go top 10? We got a few over-unders. I'll just tell you, this is, this is not Intel. This is the scouting side of things. Here's the two names that I've got my eye on right away on, on numbers that shocked me that seem a little bit off. Keegan Murray from Iowa. He's kind of a Tobias Harris type player, like a combo scoring forward. His over-under is five and a half. That feels off to me. Keegan Murray is older. Like if you look at where the lottery goes and where you're looking for young upside swings, Keegan Murray is not that. Keegan Murray is kind of the sure thing. He's going to come in. He's going to score. He's a very versatile scorer. He can play in the post. He's got a nice shot. You know what you're getting with Keegan Murray. But under five and a half, like, look, we just said, we think there are three locked in picks up there. Under five and a half, you only have two more slots in there. You got Jaden Ivey, you got Shaden Sharp and others. I don't think that an older player like Keegan Murray feels like a top five pick. 
but I like over and over is plus money right now. Part of the reason I like the over is Shaden Sharp. Shaden Sharp's over under is seven and a half right now. Shaden Hurt Sharp did not play ball this year. He went to Kentucky, didn't actually get on the court because of, you know, NCAA reasons. Seven and a half, like he's the mystery wing in this draft. If a team wants a Jalen Green type swing, Shaden Sharp is their guy to take a shot on. Not saying he is Jalen Green, but under seven and a half for him is interesting. That one has already been moving and I think is back to a minus number. But uh, at seven, at five, at four are teams that maybe would trade out. There are teams that want that kind of Keegan Murray more sure thing player of Portland or in Indiana. That's more likely, I think, to say, okay, we're going to win now. We, we, we're ready to win now. Let's, let's take the sure thing and not the big swing. But there are also teams that, because they want to win now, trade their pick for Jeremy Grant or someone like that, and then you get the swing. So I, I like the under on Sharp. I like the over on Murray early on. All right, it's going to wrap it up for Buckets. Thanks for joining us. Have yourselves a great weekend. Enjoy the beautiful weather. We'll see you again next time. Let's get buckets.